Welcome, and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of Brother Nick Manzi, a down-to-earth pastor who communicates God's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the Bible to your own life. Amen. I wanted to get up and dance, but last time I danced, that didn't end up well. What are you guys laughing about? <laughs> oh, Lord. Go ahead and turn open, open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 6, please. Judges chapter 6. And we're going to go and we're going to fly through uh, two chapters, Judges 6 and 7 tonight. And, but we, our main focus is going to be on Gideon. So as you're turning there, I'll give you a second. We're going to open up, in our, open up our service with prayer. Are you there? Say Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, Father, I just want to thank you once again for this opportunity to be able to bring your word. Father, thank you for using me as a vessel. But, Father, I'm not worthy. So, Father, forgive me where I fail you. And let this be nothing of myself, but completely of you. Fill us with the Holy Spirit right now so we can learn from you, Lord, Father. Your wisdom and not my own, Father. So we can just take that wisdom and use it in our everyday life, Father. Help us and convict us where we need to be convicted and guide us through our days. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Gideon, you know, I, I read that his, his um, story once again not that long ago. And, and when I was reading it, I just thought that he really isn't your typical Hollywood image of a hero, is he? I mean, and he's kind of really the exact opposite than, than that hero that we see on the movies all the time, isn't he? I mean, he's more the, the indecisive, timid type. He's one of those people that wants every I dotted and every T crossed before he makes a decision. And even when all that's done, he takes his time to make his decisions and maybe doesn't even make up his mind at that point. And we get to see a sort of person that Gideon really is from the situation that we find him in the beginning of his journey. You're in, Gideon, you're in Judges chapter 6. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Beezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, I just want to make this situation clear, what's going on here. You need to understand that those days, and during this time period, while this is being written, the wine presses were generally dug into the ground. They weren't above ground. They weren't in some building. They were dug into the ground. So if you got inside of a wine press, you'd be out of sight from everybody that's surrounding you. So understand what's happening right now when, when Gideon goes threshing his wheat inside this, this wine press. He's hiding in there, and then that way the Midianites that are surround him that want to be able to take over this land of Israel cannot see him and what he's doing while he's threshing his wheat. Yet the encouraging thing that I see here that maybe you and I can take from Gideon today is even if, though he's this timid and nervous type and despite his unpromising material from which he was made, God takes him. God not just takes him, but he makes him into a hero of biblical proportions. So I want us to be able to spend some time thinking about the process that Gideon uh, was changed by God and be able to use uh, by God to be a leader, to be a rescuer of his people. 
So there's a few processes that we have to go through in life. And, and I think we could take these same processes that we find Gideon in and to be able to use it in our everyday life. And the first process we see is that he has a personal encounter with God. It sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? I mean, especially if you've been walking in your, your spiritual walk for quite some time, it, we hear that all the time, have a personal encounter with God. But verse 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Here he is, he's beating the wine in this wine press in the ground because he's scared that he might be seen by somebody, by some marauding Midianite. And the angel of the Lord addresses him right now as a mighty warrior. Remember who I said he was, a timid, indecisive person. And here's this angel describing him as this mighty warrior. Imagine what he's thinking at this point. He's thinking, well, I, man, I don't know. You might got the right and wrong guy here. You know, you're probably looking for some hardened soldier. And, well, I'm no fighter. As a matter of fact, I'm the youngest of my family. And my family is the weakest in our tribe. So you can't be talking about me here. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, you know, you're being asked to do something, but you're just not able to do it because of your circumstances that are there? Maybe you're too weak and you think you're too weak to be able to do something that God wants you to do. I remember when I first started in ministry uh, many years ago on my own, I felt exactly like that. I felt exactly like that. Me, God? Do you know what I did in my past? I didn't grow up no Christian. I'm no pastor's kid. You want me to be a, a minister? But for some reason, when I was questioning God about this, he prompted me to look at the book of Joshua, where Joshua is told over and over and over again to be strong and of good courage. See, this was a message to me that I should be trusting God to work through me in my ministry. Did you hear what I said there? I need to trust God to work through me in my ministry. And it's the same thing that's happening here with Gideon. Gideon is coming to the same crossroads that I was at not that long ago, his many more years before me. And in response to God, Gideon uh, it looks at God and, and says in verse 13, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. But see, God is with them, and he does have a plan for their salvation, a plan that involves Gideon. And then in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and says, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now then, despite all the protests that, that's going on, the Lord says, Surely I will be with you. Here's the first step to Gideon's revival. And that's a personal encounter with God. God asks him to do a task. 
a personal encounter with God where God promises to empower Gideon for the task. And I think we need to be careful that we don't underestimate the importance of this sense of a personal call. See, the New Testament often speaks about Christians having been called to a life of service for God and to others. We talked about that a little bit today, didn't we? But as we think about our own personal call to discipleship, we must remember the example of Gideon. You see, the thing about Gideon's call is that it's the sort of thing that it was the sort of person he was when God called him. The personal attributes he possessed, those weren't the issue. And the self-effacing nature of Gideon may in fact been his greatest asset during this time period as well. But he didn't have to have that natural proudness to be a warrior. He didn't need to have the leadership qualifications to be able to lead his people against the Midianites. And those very disadvantages that we have were what God used to enable him to go and do such. Do you remember what Paul wrote in, what was it, 1 Corinthians 1.27? When he says, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put shame to the wise. And he goes on and says, and God chosen the weak uh, things of the world to put shame to, what is it, to the things which are mighty. See, this is often God's modus operandi, isn't it? He wants us to be able to trust and rely on him. So if you're unsure of yourself, you need to be aware of your failings and that's okay. But that's just the sort of person that God wants to use for his ministry, for his glory, to be able to spread his gospel. So we need to let him speak to us and tell him what, let him tell us what he wants us to know and do. We we have to ask him to empower us for the task, just like Gideon has to be empowered. And then look to him to be able to speak to us with the sorts of words he spoke to Gideon. You know, I think all too often we have a lot of zeal to be able to do God's word. But that zeal diminishes real quickly when we need to listen to God. And that's the part that we must Remember to do. We must listen to God. Sure, he may have called you, but how are you going to do it? On your own or through the power of the Holy Spirit? The second point is, the second part of this process that we get to see with Gideon is that we, he started where he was at. And we need to start just where we're at. We need to start right where you are. So God, right before he sends him off to fight with the Midianite, uh, God gives Gideon another task that he must take care of, that he must fulfill. And that's the task at home. See, first Gideon has to go and remove the source of idolatry that's polluting his, his home and his neighbors and that community that's going on. So you see, as much as Gideon's family may have been followers of the Lord, they were also polluted by the pagan worship of their neighbors. If you remember the story, the culture in which they lived had convinced them to, in order to succeed in life, you needed to make offerings to the two little G gods, Baal and Asherah. Remember that? 
They were local fertility gods. And Gideon and his family, well, they even had a shrine inside their home. Well, similar things happens in our world today, doesn't it? Not that we have shrines to little gods. Well, some people do if they believe in somebody else than Jesus Christ. But most of us as Christians, we don't have shrines that we idolize and make sacrificial offerings towards. But it happens nonetheless, doesn't it? Maybe it's the God of consumerism and affluence. The gods of pleasure and ease. The gods of economics and, dare I say, politics. See, and all too often, Christians are caught up in these pursuits just like the rest of the world. So it wouldn't hurt for us to be able to look around in our own home, in our own hometown situation from time to time, not just once and say, we got it licked. Because remember, the Israelites kept falling too, as do you and I. But we need to do it the same as Gideon was called to to see if there's things that we need to clean up in our own lives before we go fighting off all the enemies of this world. It wasn't an easy thing for Gideon to do, was it? But he did it. He did it. Even if it was the help of 10 of his friends and he did it in the middle of the night so nobody would see him and he wouldn't get caught. Do you get the feeling that maybe Gideon is the sort of person who when challenged to speak to somebody about Jesus Christ instead walks away and, and, and puts a, a, a track in their mailbox instead of talking to them? We wouldn't do that, would we? <laughs> but despite the timidity, timidity of his actions, look at the effect it has on his father. Look what his father goes through, this transformation that he goes through. It's as as though his father was waiting for someone to do something about all these idols, to put that spark and energy back into him. You know, maybe timidity was their family trait, and they just wait until somebody else does something. Have you ever felt that way? But when the man of the town protests to Joash, he tells them that, If Baal is really a god, well, Baal can look for himself, look out for himself. But if anybody wants to take Baal's side, they'll be put to death. See, Gideon's actions, this timid man, his actions have reawakened, reawakened Joash's devotion to the Lord. So Gideon is told by God to start at home for a number of reasons. I think one reason is that he has to clean up and we need to clean up our own act before we have to fight God's enemies, right? We have to clean up our own act in order to be able to help somebody. Another is to show him that he's not alone. We're not alone, are we? If we're part of a family of God, there are going to be others just like Gideon had who care about serving God. We are not alone. 
But thirdly, it shows him in a small way that when he acts, God will bring him to success. See, if you listen to God and do exactly what he says, I promise you, he's not setting you up for failure. He's setting you up for success. But it takes allowing yourself to have that personal encounter with him and to be able to listen to God and what he has to say for you in your life. Third part of the process is receiving a gift from God. We must receive that gift from God. And here in in this story, we discovered a secret of some of the great heroes of the Bible. And what is it that made them great? Was it because they had natural ability to be great? No. Was it because they had expertise that they learned from, from good teachers or mentors and were able to jump forward? That wasn't it either. Was it their training? Some of these were mighty warriors. That wasn't it either. See, these are the sort of things that leadership gurus will try to tell you today. And some of them may be true to a point, but none of them is the critical factor. In every case, every single case in all the stories you read in the Bible, and if you get into Hebrews and you read about the heroes of faith, and I believe there's more than just those that we read, if you get in there, God chooses to equip people in special ways for his work. He chooses to equip people. What's that saying? God doesn't, uh, what is it, call the equipped, but he equips the called? And that's what it is. God wants you to be able to listen to him and not worry about your failings because he'll equip you for whatever he's calling you to do. And it will be a success, praise the Lord. In verse 33 and verse 34 of Judges 6, it says, Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and then he threw the excuse me, then he blew the trumpet, and the Abizrites gathered behind him. Suddenly, this timid, uh, scared little man who's out there, didn't want anything to do, becomes this powerful leader of his people. He blows this trumpet, a trumpet to be able to call people for a calling to go take take over the Midianites and the Amalekites. And here come 32,000 men who come out to fight with him. And it looks great. And you look behind you and you have this swarm of people that are coming out there. So what was it that made the difference at that point? Well, the same thing that makes a difference with you and me. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord took possession of him. The Spirit of the Lord empowered him. And we cannot miss that fact that it's the same Spirit who empowers you and me today. Remember Acts 1.8? But you shall receive what? Power when the who? Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So if you're worried about whether you're up to the challenge of being Jesus' disciple, then please take courage from this man, this Gideon, this example of a mighty warrior, not because of his brute strength or his ability to be able to fight in battle, but he's a mighty warrior because he believed God can do it. And he got the power from our God, who is all-powerful, to be able to do great things for God. 
But there's a fourth step in the process. And that fourth step is he receives a special assurance from God. He receives a special assurance from God. This is probably the best known part of the story of Gideon. And despite all that he's seen and heard, Gideon is still not ready to be able to go out and face battle and face the enemy that's in front of him, even though he has a, a throng of soldiers behind him. And it's not really that he doubts the call of God. He just wants some added assurance that he's going to be victorious. See, to be used by God, we don't have to have a particular personality type. It isn't just those who are always sure of themselves that God can use. God equally uses those who need multiple signs. He equally uses those who are emotionally vulnerable. He equally uses those who, uh, who suffer from anxiety or depression or self-doubt. And so God gives Gideon the sign that he asks for twice. And what we find here is another example of just how patient our long-suffering God really is. How often he allows for our shortcomings. How often he deals with us in our condescending ways. And he allows us to be able to to serve him despite our actions. But at the same time, we need to be careful that we don't use this request by Gideon as some sort of model of asking for God's guidance. You hear people talking about needing to put out the fleece if you want to know what God wants you to do. You know, just show me a sign, God, and I'll do it. I'll listen. That's not how it works, is it? That's not how it works. There's danger with that advice. And the, the danger is this is a one-off event. It doesn't happen like that in the Bible, does it? Except for Gideon. You don't find this sort of guidance being used anywhere else. So it's dangerous to make it into some sort of model. This was a new, an Old Testament event that is that it happened prior to the Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus has promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to be able to guide us in all truth. Paul in Colossians uh, first nine, uh, first nine, one nine says, you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So to suggest the use of fleeces as a, nor- as a normal method of guidance, well, that denies the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. That's why it's dangerous. Because I'm not stronger than the Holy Spirit. Never will be. We must allow the Holy Spirit to give us the power that He wants to give us to use each and every day. See, the fleece wasn't a way to find out God's will at all. God already knew God's will, didn't He? Because He was told it directly. What He needed was reassurance. That God would do what he promised. He wanted his confidence boosted by his supernatural act. So he's asking for the fleece was a fact and sign of his weakness of his faith. I just wonder, how often does God tell us something? And we need signs. And we don't trust that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit.
God, show me a sign. Gosh, I prayed with somebody today. Open up the doors wide like a French door so I can walk in easily. It'd be nice to get those signs. But just because you don't get it right away doesn't mean he didn't already talk to you. This is another example of how patient God would be to those he loves. So please don't use this as a model for seeking guidance. Rather, learn to trust God to do what he promised in your life. Which is the point of the last step in making Gideon into this wonderful leader. And that last, last step was he had to learn to trust God against all odds. When his back's against the wall, when your back's up against the wall, do you trust God against all odds? I think some people have trust in the lottery more than they have trust in God. See, Gideon prepares to go against the enemy with the 32,000 men who answered the call of his trumpet. But God says, eh, nah, wait, let's wait a second. And then in chapter 7, verse 2, the Lord says to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand have saved me. See, Gideon and the people of Israel need, needed to learn this important lesson. The victory that they're about to win will be won by God, not by their own strength. So he begins to start whittling away at their numbers. You know the story. Until there was only 300 left. And first, he tells any who's scared to go home and others who drink, you know, and this and that. And all of a sudden, there's none left except those 300. And humanly speaking, the odds were impossible, weren't they? But what mattered was that the victory was to be without a doubt the result of God's actions. The war cry says it all. A sword to the Lord and for Gideon. And as they fought, it was for the Lord that they were fighting. And it was the Lord who gave them that victory. In fact, this is the case throughout the book of Judges. Always, it's the power of God that brings them to victory. The judges are people who bring victory through God's power and who in the end give God the glory. So what can we learn from this story of Gideon? There's some obvious parallels. See, we too have a fight to battle, a battle to fight against God's enemies, don't we? against the idolatry of this world, against the powers of evil that oppose the church at every turn, against forces that oppose truth and oppose righteousness. And we too may feel inadequate to the task, but what can we learn from Gideon? Well, we can learn the importance of recognizing the personal calling of God. That's where we need to start. We need to recognize our personal calling from God. We need to be aware, each one of us, that we've been called by God to a life of discipleship, a life of service to our living God. That will find it, find it outworking in different ways for each of us. But the call is just the same for all of us. The call is just the same.
despite any differences there might be, you and I have the same task in front of us to bring glory to the Lord and tell more people about Jesus Christ. And we need to begin right where we're at, don't we? Right at the end of our toes, we need to start. Wherever we're at, that's where we start. It's no use trying to fix the world if our own home base is polluted by sin. So let's remove that log out of our own eye so we can work at looking at faults on others. But then next, we need to ask God to equip us for the task with His power. Not your own, not my own, not the power of your family or friends, but the power that comes from God and through the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit daily so you can know what to do and where to go. And ask for assurance from God that only His Spirit can give. Guide me in the right direction. God, tell me where to go. I leave it in Your hands. But then finally, learn to trust God in everything, no matter how far your back is up against the wall, no matter how much the walls are caving in on you. Remember that Gideon did it with 300 against two lands, the Midianites and the Amalekites, with 300. See, this is a very important lesson to learn when you're living and you're working in a world that is opposed to the gospel. You believe we're in that state? The battle, though, is God's. The battle is God's. We don't need some superior firepower of our own when God is fighting alongside with us. As Paul says in Romans, what is it, 8.31? If God is for us, who can be against us? So to close, we need to recognize God's call. We need to clean up our own act first. And then we need to trust God to give us what we need for victory. Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at PastorNickCentralBaptistPSL at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.